the happiness has disappeared, who will share the pain? Come listen, O beloved Kapal. To whom else can I tell my pain? This is the bhajan Hoya Sukha Ole on page 95. At every step, Satguru has showered the radiant nectar. Guru Kapal, come to control my heart. If there is true love, the ship sails across. His face is attractive. He pulls the heart closer. He finishes the problems and disputes of the one who comes to him becoming his own. May I go on looking at you and go on telling you the pain. I am not beautiful. I have no qualities. You are my beloved husband. I am wandering from door to door, getting kicked or knocked. Finally, I have come to you for support. I remember you and plead to you. God came into this world taking up the body of a man. Even after being present in all, he hid himself. Ajayb says this and tells of his pain. Come listen, O beloved Kapal. To whom else can I tell my pain? The happiness has disappeared. Who will share the pain? Come listen, O beloved Kapal. To whom else can I tell my pain? Bhajan of Sanchi on page 95. Oh, I 
has disappeared <coughs> who will share the pain come listen O beloved Kripal to whom else can I tell my pain <coughs> O beloved Satguru improve my life suffering by karma I am calling at your door this is the Bhajan Satyaguru Pyare Mary on page 27. I have not even a little control over you. Except you in this world, nothing else is mine. I have come to your shelter. Don't reject me. I have got much suffering. No more agony. Cool my heart, which is heated by pain. Oh, beloved Satguru. Improve my life. Suffering by karma, I am calling at your door. Bhajan of Sanchi on page 27. <laughs>
Saturday and Sunday, August 23rd and 24th. Please call Don and Charlotte if you will be attending. Several readings uh, today, which may or may not seem to be too connected. Uh, some from Sanchi and some from Master Kupal. Um, the first one is from Master Kupal, talk given February 20th, 1971, at Master's house on Rajpur Road, 
Dehradun, India. And this is uh, part of chapter 58 of The Light of Kapal, but I'm reading it from the Ambrosial Hour. Make each breath an offering. Master says, always live in the living present, in the living moment. Did you read my circular on that point? If you care for the living moment, you can care for eternity. Read the circulars and go into them deeply. If you care for the pennies, pounds will be saved. Is it not so? If you keep your mind occupied every moment, then nothing can go wrong. It is given very briefly in the circulars. Brevity is the soul of all creation. The Master's sayings are very brief, but to the point. If you watch your present moment, then everything is all right. If you don't care, sometimes for hours you're oblivious, and in those vacant hours there's so much trouble that comes up which affects your meditations. So when you sit for meditation, forget the past, forget the future, live in the living present. This is the one thing that will give you success in your meditations. But the vacant hours in which you've not kept the mind occupied with some constructive thought affect your meditation. So that is the remedy that accounts for all these things. If you would pass your every hour in peace, with no ill will against anybody and no attachment to anybody, if you can pass each hour like that for one day, then continuously for some days, no such ramifications of mind will come up to affect your meditations. We are frittering away our moments of life in such-like pursuits. Kabir says, make each breath you take the offering to your master. Do you follow what I have said? Every breath you take, make it an offering to your master. This is very valuable, Kabir says, and we fritter away a fortune. If a dying man wishes to stay for a few minutes longer, he cannot. How frivolously we kill our time. Every moment of life is very valuable. Make the best use of it. When death overtakes us, that is the time you say, Oh, at some time been given to me, I would have done this and that thing. Is it not so? But you cannot get time then that you have frittered away so ruthlessly, so cruelly. Kabir says in one breath he crossed three planes, physical, astral, causal. One breath is very valuable. One saint says if you can pass three days and nights in sweet, constant remembrance of God, you go to his feet. Three days. Can we? It's not much. Let no other thought other than God strike your mind. Why not start with one day? Start from today. All right, from now on till tomorrow evening, no thought. Constant remembrance. Even when you eat, don't forget him. Try one day. That will give you good training. We don't care for the trifling things, but that is where the substantial thing comes from.
One day is not much. You have been here how many days? So many days. And if you had passed even one day and night in constant remembrance, you would have changed very much. And I want to read the talk of Sanchi's, which I've read before. It's not sung a number of times. I'm sure many of you will remember it. Um, but it's, it is so major and of such importance that, um, as Master says, we, we should go into the circulars. This is called On Forgiving Others. And it's a question and answer talk of, from March 26, 1989 at 16 p.s. in Rajasthan. And the question is, when someone has done something to hurt me deeply, I may feel that I want to forgive them, and I may say that I forgive them, but I don't know how to truly forgive and forget in my heart. Please help me understand how to do this. And Sanchi answers, This question should be understood by all the satsangis, because in the path of the masters, forgiveness is a very important element. When you have forgiven somebody, you should completely forget about it, because if you go on remembering that you have forgiven some person, or if you think in terms of how that person has accepted your forgiveness, and how he has taken advantage of your forgiveness, if you will remember all these things, then it is possible that your mind may bother you and you may get more ego. Also, it is possible that your mind may give you more trouble and in fact you have not really forgiven that person. So not even in the state of dreams should you remember that you have forgiven that person. After you have forgiven anyone for their faults, you should completely forget about them. The most important thing is that when you are in a position or situation where you have to forgive someone, you should remember the form of the master. And having the form of the master in front of you, only with that kind of feeling you should forgive that person. You should say that it is not you who are forgiving that person, but it is the master who is forgiving that person. If you will take the credit for forgiving the other person, it is possible that ego may haunt you and bother you. But if you will give the credit to the master and say, it is the master who is within me who has forgiven you, then you will not have any difficulty with the ego. You know that we jivas are not worth anything, and we do not have the capacity to forgive anyone. Instead of taking the credit on our own selves that we have forgiven the person, we should pass it on to our master. And we should instead do our meditation and sit at the feet of the master and pray to him, O oh, beloved Lord, you should forgive me as you have forgiven that person through me. On this subject, I once commented on the Bani of Swamiji Maharaj. It is possible that many of the dear ones may have had the opportunity to read that talk. 
In that talk, I said that if anyone has made any mistake, knowingly or unknowingly, once he realizes that he has made the mistake, he should confess his mistake and ask for forgiveness. He should apologize to the person whom he has hurt. And the one who is hurt also has a responsibility of acknowledging that apology. He should also forgive that person in the name of the Master. Our soul never makes any mistakes because she is innocent and she is of the same essence as God Almighty. God Almighty never makes any mistakes. He is free from all kinds of faults. In the same way, our soul is also free of all kinds of faults. She never makes any mistakes. We find faults in God Almighty only when we go away from Him. As long as we are connected to Him, we never find any faults in Him because He does not have any faults. When we are looking at Him as a soul, we do not find any faults in Him. But when we go away from Him, when we get disconnected with Him, only then we start finding faults in him. So the meaning of this is that the soul does not have any faults. The soul does not make any mistakes because she is the same essence as God Almighty. It is our mind who makes the mistakes. And mind does not have the capacity, the strength to forgive anyone because God has not given that capacity or that power to forgive others to our mind. So mind cannot forgive anyone because mind does not have the power of forgiving anyone. It is the soul or the power of the Shabad Nam which our beloved master has put within our soul who forgives and who asks for the forgiveness. So you know that whenever anyone makes any mistake, it is his mind who is making him do the mistake. But his mind does not want to confess. It does not want to admit he has made the mistake. And it is the soul, his inner heart, who is confessing, who is admitting his faults. And it is the master who is asking for forgiveness. And on the other side also, it is the master, that power of the Shabbat Nam, who is granting that forgiveness. So when it is the master who is asking for the forgiveness, and when it is the master who is giving the forgiveness, then where is the problem? Whenever anyone asks for our forgiveness, we should always be willing to forgive them. I am not much acquainted with the Holy Bible, but you have read it many times and you know a lot about it. It is said in the Bible that only he can be called a true Christian who forgives others and who does not hurt anyone. You know that when Christ was being crucified, how much torture he was given. He was made to wear the crown of thorns and he was taken to the cross. You know how painful that would be. The soul trembles just to think of all that torture he was given and you can very well imagine what he went through. But still he said, O oh Lord, forgive them because they do not know what they are doing. Whatever they are doing is in their innocence and you should forgive them. We are the disciples of those great masters whose writings we read every day and from whom we have learned that they were the form of forgiveness and they forgave even the worst sinners. I will tell you something from the history of Guru Arjan Dev Ji Maharaj. 
You know how much he was tortured and how he was made to sit on hot coals and how hot sand was thrown on his head. He was tortured so much by the government of that time and toward his end time, the officer in charge, whose name was Chandu Savai, tried to poison his son. His house and family were destroyed right in front of him, but still he didn't say any word against them. He always forgave them. Even though all these things happened, still Guru Arjan Dev was full of forgiveness for all the people. But sometime after Guru Arjan Dev left the body, Chandu Savai left his post because people who are in government do not remain in their posts forever. The time comes when the people who once ruled over the country become ordinary people. And when they fall into the hands of the people whom they had tortured, those people take their revenge. When Guru Hargobind started working, his glory started spreading all over. In the government of that time, told Guru Hargobind to do his work wherever he wanted. He was also asked if he wanted to give punishment to Chandu Savai, because Chandu Savai was the main person behind all of the torture that Guru Arjandev had received. But Guru Hargobind said, no, I don't want to put him to trial. I don't want to give him any punishment, because in the court of my beloved Lord there is no place for punishment. That is the place of forgiveness. And I do not want to give any punishment because whatever he did, he was supposed to do that. Masters always forgive even the worst sinners. So I do not want to give him any punishment. Such was the heart of Guru Hargobind. But you know that the disciples are very emotional and they do not have such a heart like the masters. So when Chandu Savai came into the hands of the disciples of Guru Arjan, and when they remembered all the torture which Chandu Savai had given to Guru Arjan Dev, they could not control themselves. They put a chain around the neck of Chandu Savai and made him walk on the streets of Lahore like a dog. When they came to the shop where Chandu Savai had gotten the hot sand to put on Guru Arjan Dev's head, that shopkeeper became very angry and he said, well, this is the same Chandu Savai who in the intoxication of his power made me throw the hot sand on that great Guru Arjan Dev. So he also put hot sand on Chandu Savai's head and when he did that, he hit him with a big stone. Chandu Savai almost died and he called for the help of Guru Hargobind saying, oh, Guru Hargobind, now I am in your refuge and you protect me. So by the grace of the beloved master and because of the forgiveness which the masters have, Chandu Savai was liberated right then because he requested Guru Hargobind for his help. So you see how much forgiveness and grace the masters have. They forgive even those people who have done so many bad things to their master. In the time of Guru Gobind Singh, there was a very devoted disciple, Bhai Daya Singh, who used to meditate a lot and go within. One day when he was all alone with Guru Gobind Singh, he said, he asked him, Master, I have read about so many great sinners who tortured our past masters and how they were bothering the other dear ones. Are they in hell now because of all the bad things they did?
He particularly mentioned Chandu Savai, who had tortured Guru Arjan Dev. But Guru Gobind Singh Ji replied, No, dear one, Chandu Savai was liberated right then because he had the darshan of two great masters. First he had the darshan of Guru Arjan Dev, and then he had the darshan of Guru Hargobind. And also when he was dragged by the disciples of Guru Arjan Dev through the streets of Lahore, at that time he was always remembering the form of Guru Hargobind, because he knew that Guru Hargobind was the only one who could forgive him and could protect him. So he had been contemplating on the form of Guru Hargobind, and he was remembering him so much so that at the time of his death, Guru Hargobind had to come and liberate him. So you see, dear ones, that we are the disciples of those great masters who forgive even the worst sinners. So whenever we are in that kind of situation when we have to forgive anyone, we should always remember the form of the masters. And in the name of our beloved master, we should always forgive them. And after forgiving the people who hurt us or who have done any mistake, we should never remember them and we should never even make them realize that we have forgiven them. Once we have forgiven them in the name of our beloved Master, we should forget all about what happened. Often I have said that we should not give up this element of forgiveness even in our household, even in our married life. Why do we have all these conflicts and problems in our married life? only because the husband and wife do not have this element of forgiveness in them. If both of them would have the element of forgiveness, and if they would forgive and forget each other's faults, they could easily make their home life like a heaven on earth. And when I do wedding ceremonies, as many of you know, I always include the couplet of William Blake, mutual forgiveness of each vice, such are the gates of paradise. Anyway, do you think that we have been brought to the Master because of our good deeds only? Those who go within know that we have not come to the Master because of our good deeds. It was because of the grace and forgiveness of the Master that we were brought to him. We were already so full of faults that unless he had forgiven us, we would never have been able to come to him. When we come to the Master, it is only because of his forgiveness. He forgives our past faults, and he tells us not to make any more mistakes in the future. And he always tells us that whatever we have done in the past, we have been forgiven. And even after giving us so much forgiveness, the Master never tells us, I have done this favor for you, and I have forgiven you. He always remains very humble. Even if the disciple stands in front of other people and says, Master, you have forgiven me for this, or you have done this savor for me, he always says, No, dear one, it is not me who has forgiven you. It is the grace of my beloved Master who has forgiven you. Matraput was a great scholar of Sanskrit in his time. He had done a lot of research and he had searched a long time for a master. Finally, when he came to Guru Ramdas, he became his disciple and was so devoted that his writings are included in the Guru Granth Sahib also. There he says, I do not have any good qualities in me. I am full of bad qualities. 
Giving up the nectarful nam, I went for the poison of this world. I attached myself to the sons, daughters, and all the family members and everything of this world. But finally, after searching all over the world for you, I have come to your door. This is one request which the Prakriti makes to you. O Guru Ramdas, always keep me in your refuge. Those who have children know that children go on making mistakes all day long. But the mother has forgiveness, and the mother has been given attachment to the children. That is why she does not remember any of the mistakes which the children are making. And even though they go on making mistakes again and again, she always goes on forgiving them. In the same way, the masters also behave like a 40-day-old child in front of their Lord. And they always say, O Lord, as the mother does not remember the mistakes the child makes, in the same way, don't you remember the mistakes we make. O my beloved mother, I am your child. And why don't you forget and forgive me for all the mistakes I make? I hope that you have understood lovingly what I told you about the subject of forgiveness. There is a lot more which I could say on this subject. And uh, I think it is of the utmost essentiality in the path, the whole question of the forgiveness and, and not just not um, the universal spiritual tradition in all its manifestations is precisely about the um, triumph or the victory of forgiveness over punishment forgiveness is from the God of love God of eternity who is in love with the products of time, namely us, and punishment and reward, for that matter, is, of course, the function of cow, the negative power. I want to read a section from the Gospels. This is from chapter 18 of the Gospel of Matthew on this subject. Then Peter went up to him and said, Lord, how often must I forgive my brother if he wrongs me? As often as seven times? Jesus answered, not seven, I tell you, but seventy-seven times. And so the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who decided to settle his accounts with his servants. When the reckoning began, they brought him a man who owed ten thousand talents which is, as the note explains, approximately $60 million, enormous sum. He had no means of paying, so his master gave orders that he should be sold, together with his wife and children and all his possessions, to meet the debt. At this, the servant threw himself down at his master's feet with the words, Be patient with me, and I will pay the whole sum. And the servant's master felt so sorry for him that he let him go and canceled the debt. Now, as this servant went out, he happened to meet a fellow servant who owed him 100 denarii, that is to say, about $200, as compared to the $60 million that he owed the king. 
And he seized him by the throat and began to throttle him, saying, Pay what you owe me. His fellow servant fell at his feet and appealed to him, saying, Be patient with me and I will pay you. But the other would not agree. On the contrary, he had him thrown into prison till he should pay the debt. His fellow servants were deeply distressed when they saw what had happened, and they went to their master and reported the whole affair to him. Then the master sent for the man and said to him, You wicked servant, I canceled all that debt of yours when you appealed to me. Were you not bound then to have pity on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And in his anger, the master handed him over to the torturers till he should pay all his debt. And that is how my heavenly Father will deal with you unless you each forgive your brother from your heart. And also, the well-known section of the Lord's Prayer. Lord's Prayer includes the verse, And forgive us our debts, as we have forgiven those who are in debt to us, or sometimes translated, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And at the end of the prayer, Jesus says, Yes, if you forgive others their failings, your Heavenly Father will forgive you yours. But if you do not forgive others, your Father will not forgive your failings either. And I think the reason for this is, theologically speaking, that the act of forgiving on our part is required to open the channel of grace so that we can receive the forgiveness that the Master wants to give us. It is not that his forgiveness is ever unavailable to us. It's that there are acts that we can do which close off the door of the channel. It's a psychological fact. If we don't forgive others, it's like we erect a gate, a big wall that stands in the way of the forgiveness coming to us. And the proportions, I mean, the story that Jesus told has always struck me as an astonishingly valuable representation of karma. Okay, because, I mean, after all, all of us have been going through cycles for God knows how long. We have accumulated all kinds of debt, which in order to pay off, we have to keep coming back and back and back again and again and again. Whatever one other person owes us, uh, is roughly comparable to the $200 as compared to the $60 million. And if we refuse to forgive the 200 it's like we're making a mockery of our wish to be forgiven for the $60 million. So it's of the utmost importance, I think, to recognize that, 
and also to understand that the Master is the forgiver. This is the title of a, a talk that Sanchi has given, and it's, um, you know, a very prominent part of the path. The difference between the God of love and the God of justice, between the true God, the Father of Jesus, and the Mother also, and uh, the negative power is precisely this, that the true God wants to, must, has to forgive. It's his nature to forgive. Whereas the negative power, it's his nature to punish and to reward. Um, if we insist on living by punishing and rewarding people who are around us, holding them to a standard of behavior and then judging accordingly how well they're doing, then we are um, imitating Kao, who then becomes obviously our real master. That's who we want to be like. And it's a sobering thought. I once uh, was with Master Kapal in India back in 1972, I was having a very rough time. I've actually written about this experience somewhat. Uh, I was very conscious of my shortcomings, which I saw very clearly were many. And I also realized that before I came over, I had been very complacent and um, even smug, because I had been working hard. I had had a wonderful trip in '69. I'd come back, and I'd been really inspired to work very hard on the path, and also both inwardly, meditation-wise, and outwardly at the ashram. And the work expanded mag magnificently in that short time. Um, there was a tremendous amount of grace, and the press was started, and the, we were editing Satsangdesh. And I had started to think of myself as this really accomplished Sevadar, you know, who was really doing what the Master wanted me to do. And so I went back with, I didn't realize it at the time, but when I got there, after I went through a certain amount of despair, I realized that that had been my attitude. Anyway, Master put me through a lot. That's This is how I saw it at the time. But, uh, he also brought me through it, and one night uh, it was a, a rainstorm came up very suddenly, and I saw it coming, and I ran over to Master's house to get there before the rain hit, because it was almost time for Darshan, and I like to get there early anyway and sit there and wait for him and anticipate his coming. So I ran over, the rain came, it came down, and Master came out. But because it was raining, nobody else was there. It was just me and him. And he looked at me, and he said, my, I, my memory is not as good as it used to be, and I really don't remember a lot of particulars, but I remember that it became overwhelmingly clear to me. Uh, I, wait, I remember what he said. He looked at me, and he, because my part of my difficulty had been a very uh, heavy conflict of feelings about whether Judas should come over or not, which I have talked about, 
number of times. I'm sure you've all heard that. Um, he looked at me and he said, out of the blue, no question on my part. He said, look here. If you have love for others, love them for the sake of the Master in them, of God in them. If you love that way, there's no problem, no attachment. And I looked at him and I realized it came over me like, like a lightning bolt, like a tidal wave, actually, that he saw me like, well, as Samhain Singh says, someplace like a pickle jar. You know, he looked through the glass and he could see all the pickles. And there were a lot of them. And, and he, he was doing this, but that he loved me anyway. And I said to him, Master, you see everything. You see all my sins. You see everything I've ever done wrong. And you love me anyway. You love me anyway. And he just laughed. He looked, he looked at me with the sweetest smile and he laughed. He, he said, yeah. So it's this is what the Master does. I mean, it's not that he pretends we're better than we are, but he doesn't care, you know, because he sees through our faults and our problems, and he sees what we really are, which is the same essence as himself. Like knows like, like is attracted to like. He loves us for what we really are, unlike everyone else we know who loves us for this or that reason that we project or this thing that they think they see in us or whatever. But he sees very clearly who we really are. So it's it's a huge thing, you know, to recognize how that it's important for us to forgive, but the power to do that comes from the knowledge that we are forgiven, that we are not, our sins are not held against us. In the book that I'm currently working on, via Sanchi's orders, the, um, the virus of Bhagradas, there is a talk which I read at St. Bonnie two weeks ago, um, called The Rescue, which has to do with the famous story of King Janak, who was being, had left the body and he was being taken, he was in the company of the Lord of Judgment, who was not, however, judging him, but acting as an agent. And um, they went by hell. And King Janak heard the cries of the people in hell and he said, What's going on? What, what's happening to them? And the Lord of Judgment said, uh, well, they're suffering for their sins. They're paying off their karma. And King Janak was so moved that he uh, said to the Lord of Judgment, I, um, can't, can't you forgive them? The Lord of Judgment said, no, I can't. It's not my job to forgive anyone. I punish and I reward, but I don't forgive. And King Janak said, well, I will forgive them. What will it take? And it turned out that a little bit of the nam that he had achieved during his lifetime through his practices outweighed the entire balance of the suffering of all the souls in hell, and every one of them was released. And you think, well, why was it King Janak only who did that, and not all the other masters? And I think the implication is very clear that it is all the other masters. It's happening constantly. On the one hand, the negative power cycle of punishment and reward is going on, and as long as we are stuck in it, that's what we see and experience. 
On the other hand, the, the practice, the act of forgiving is also constantly going on, which keeps the world going. It gives hope, and it gives people second, third, fourth, fifth, hundred thousand chance. And it makes it possible for us to do whatever we are supposed to do. So it's the Master's forgiveness, the forgiveness of the God of love, which is founded on the fact that we are his children, as in Santi's example of how a mother forgives her children. The Master is our mother, you know, and as Master Kripal used to say, when you meditate, it's like you're a child above and your mother is below. You dive into your mother's lap because you know it's okay. She loves you. Whatever you've done wrong, she forgives you. And that's the way it is between us and the Master. And of course, Salen is the famous story with Salen Singh and the missionaries in relation to Sanchez talking about Chandus Chandusavai and what happened to Guru Arjan. Um, is um, also very relevant when the missionaries asked Salen Singh what was the status of Judas Iscariot, who of course related to Jesus the way that Chandusavai related to Guru Arjun. He said, well, where do you think? What do you think his, his um, position is? And the missionary said, well, I suppose he should be somewhere in the deepest part of hell, which is, of course, where Dante put him in the Divine Comedy, at the very pit of hell itself, um, the worst sinner of all time, supposedly. And Silent Singh laughed and said, no, he is sitting on the lap of Christ enjoying his bliss. And the missionaries were absolutely astonished. And one of them said, this is true enough. And it, you know, it resonated with them. And they asked him for further detail. And he said, well, his sin was personal against the Lord, and the Lord forgave him. But, I mean, I, I think that he was included when Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That was a real forgiveness. All of the people who were involved with his crucifixion, he forgave at that point, including Judas Iscariot, including Pontius Pilate, including all of them. And that is why Christian anger against the people who crucified Jesus is so totally misappropriated and, uh, you know, has been misapplied. And, and uh, it's not just that it's aimed at the wrong people, it is that it is aimed at anybody, because Jesus forgave them. So should we, and including Judas Iscariot. Anyway, I want to conclude the readings with a letter from Master Kripal, which was originally in Spiritual Elixir, in which he, he talks to somebody. Regular attendance at the satsang meetings is very useful and helpful. It keeps the mind on the spiritual track. Avoidance of undesirable society is still another necessary factor, and all of these are extremely important in the beginning. A sapling needs water and nourishment. These factors go to nourish it until it grows into a big tree 
which mighty elephants cannot shake. The outgoing faculties are to be inverted and the mind stilled. For this the remedy has already been given to you. Consider how great a blessing of God you have received. You can develop it while living in the world. Be brave. You cannot run away. That is the work of a coward. But there is one important thing to note. Try to surrender completely to the Master, and under the cover of his power, protection, and grace, you will wade through the waters of life unscathed. The loving Father will protect you like a baby in the might of his strong arms and pass you scot-free from the fires of life without a burn. Everyone errs. Through these errors, you have to grow into a pure and lustrous soul. Weed out the shortcomings one by one. The diary is a necessity and must be used for this purpose. It helps you to keep an eye on your ethical side of life, for this must be developed along with the spiritual growth. Remember that the father wants to embrace his child. If the child's clothing is soiled with dirt or mud, you will not forsake him, but cleanse the child and take him or her into his lap. He is always with his children whom he loves, a hundred times more than the proverbial love of a mother. I am glad you felt the Master walking with you on June 7th to shake off your great load of anxiety and paralyzing nervous reactions of the wrongs done to you by others and that it toned your spirits. As long as you live in the world, you must be up and doing. You must work with ambition and wholeheartedly, and therein lies all beauty. All of creation is beautiful. You love God. As he is imminent in every form, you must love all his creation. But be not attached. Just as you go to a garden, you enjoy the beauty of the flowers and the verdure of the bushes, but you do not pluck the flowers or uproot the plants, otherwise the gardener would take you to task. You cannot have the results according to your desires or expectations. So always do your best and leave the results to the master overhead, and whatever the results are, take them with good cheer. They are always beneficial to the initiated because the master power working overhead knows what is best for his ailing child. Married life is no bar to spirituality, provided it is led in accordance with the scriptural injunctions. You may seek a companion for your earthly sojourn, one who is of your way of thinking and anxious to seek a higher worldly life. It would be helpful to both of you. My best wishes are always with you. You may go where you like, live anywhere, and do anything, that may serve to help your inner progress. Anything that may retard your inner progress will not be in your interest. Should you get a chance to come to India on any assignment and are able to be near me, I will be glad to see you. The effect of personal aura and personal environments cannot be underrated. But while it is so, the Master is not limited by time or space. He is always with you, even though he be thousands of miles away. Please learn to be receptive to his grace 
and feel his kindly presence riding with you on the buses, chatting with you in the street, sitting with you in the park, by your office desk, accompanying you every morning to the office, slowing down by the lily pond to check the new flowers, and walking with you in the evening all the way back by the new moon. Master is always with the disciple and never leaves him or her until the end of the world. The father will never disown his children. Take All the masters, regardless of the time when they live in this world, whether he was born one age before or couple hundred years ago or couple thousand years ago, it doesn't matter that in which community he was born, but all the masters, all the saints have the same message, they have the same teachings to offer. No doubt the method of explaining of every Mahatma is different. His ways of teachings may be different because the place where he is born, the place where he lives, he has the effect of that environment and according to that environment he explains the things he gives out his teachings. No matter how many shooters are there, but they all have the same the first and foremost teaching of all the masters is that God is one and the path through which 
we can realize God is also one. And also by reading the teachings, by reading the scriptures of the writings written by the perfect master, we come to know that up until now God has been realized only by going within ourselves. He cannot be realized no matter how much we search for him outside. also from reading the writings of the perfect masters we come to know that even in this world if we want to learn any skill we need to go to a teacher if we seek the help of the teacher who had come in this world 100 years or 500 years ago no matter how much we love him no matter how much we devote ourselves to his picture even if we burn incense in front of his picture we pray for him but he will never appear in the flesh in this world to come and teach us if we want to learn a skill we will have to go to the teacher who is available in the present time when the masters come in this world and they tell us that the matter of realizing God Almighty is not a very simple one. And in order to realize Him, we have to seek the help of the perfect living master of the time. At that time, we people, those who are relying on the past masters and those who are devoted to the past masters, we think that the present masters are criticizing the past masters. But this is not true. It is just our understanding. It is just our interpretation. In fact, those masters are respected very highly by the present masters. But they tell the reality that we need to go to the perfect living master if we want to know about God Almighty. In fact, the present masters have much love with the past masters and they often meet 
with them in the inner flames. But <clears throat> we are very far away from them. We think that we meet the past masters since we are relying on them, we are devoting ourselves to them. And we believe in our own selves that we are in the connection with them, but that is not the reality, that is not the truth. In fact, we are so far away from them as far as we are from God Almighty, because never we have seen them, neither they have come and neither we have seen them, nor they have taken our responsibility. They have never even confirmed that we are their devotees, we are their disciples. So when they have not confirmed, when they have not accepted us as their devotees, how can we rely on them and how can we get any guidance or any help from them? <coughs> but it is just in our mind that we think that since we have devoted ourselves to the past masters, they have become our masters and they will always come and they will help us. But that is not true. You know that if the person is not available, if the person has not accepted you, how can you blame any light on him? So the perfect living masters, they always tell us that those past masters who came in this world, since we have not seen them and they have not taken our responsibility, we cannot say that they will be here to guide us. So always we have received the guidance and the help of the perfect living master. is false, life is destitute, come Kripalji, we wait for you, we wait for you. This is the Bhajan Jutta Sanasaraha on page 123. Oh my giver, we are the sinners, don't look through our papers, the boat is adrift, take it across. Come beloved, listen to the request. Listen to the request. True is your love. We have only your support. We are the dirty ones. Clean us. Clean us. The soul has to do your darshan, but she is embarrassed. O oh, giver, you forgive. You are the forgiver. You are the forgiver. This is the call of the jail. The heart string is resounding. The world is false. Life is destitute. Come, Kapalji, we wait for you. We wait for you. Oh, uh-huh. 
Yeah. 
destitute. Come, Kirpalji, we wait for you, we wait for you. O giver, you forgive. You are the forgiver. You are the forgiver. This is the call of the jade. The heartstring is resounding. May God bless us all.